sharing huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lords. Rain soaked Lords. They're getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. How's it? Hello, podcast fans. Welcome back. This is Moving the Needle Podcast, and I'll be your host, Andrew Nietling. If you're new to the show, thanks so much for downloading this episode. Make sure you subscribe. Leave me a review if you can. I read all those. It's been really awesome to get the feedback. Well, this is a new podcast series I've been running for 2021. It's the Crank Brothers Race Review. It's going to be with me, and I've teamed up with Crank Brothers this year to create a new series of episodes that's going to break down the action from each and every World Cup race. Well, this week, we're actually going to break down the World Championships from Val de Sol in Italy. We're going to discuss the ups, the downs, give you some insight what really goes into the world of downhill racing. Now, Crank Brothers is synonymous with the DH racing circuit. Last year, they celebrated 10 years in a row of elite world champs wins with a mallet DH pedal. Well, they've gone one better. <laughs> they just won under the likes of Greg Minard. So they have 11 years in a row, and you'll hear later in the podcast, well, Sven Martin, he's my guest, and he mentions that they actually won a few more because of Sam Hill racing their flat pedal back in the days. Now, Crank Brothers has spent the last two years developing their own range of shoes, launching late last year hey and this year we've seen the shoes in use by riders like lucas shaw bernard kerr angle suarez and the former world champions i can call them that now unfortunately because we've just had the 2021 worlds osin o'callaghan and cami blanchet well guys it is so awesome to be using their shoes i can't tell you how good the interface is and clearly the world's best choose these shoes as well as these pedals. So guys, without further ado, let's hop into this week's episode, which is going to be with Sven Martin, who was on the ground in Val de Sol, and we're going to break down the World Championships from Val de Sol. I'm assuming it's live now. Dude, we're live. We're always live. You've taught me that. So, welcome... There we go. There's the aftermath of the race in Val de Sol. So Sven is showing me behind his shoulder. He's literally could have shot from his bedroom window. I, I actually shot four cross uh, pans at the finish line. I shot four <laughs> cross from my window with a beer. Actually, no, and, you've a got, and you've got incredible internet, which is probably a first in Val de Sol. I remember you guys having to sneak in and you got in some trouble sneaking into the ah. media center one year. This is, uh, fuck, we get in trouble every year. Um, this is a, a special Elder Soul, not just because it's world champs, but this is where Boris and I met, and um, as our ten year anniversary. This uh, that's a beautiful story to start <laughs> the, the, the the podcast. Uh, yeah, he was he was <laughs> he was doing an article uh, on me for a German magazine, and it was called One Man Army. But he wanted like work shadow me to see what I did, and he did it like a timeline. But then he, um, and he could sort of take photos, but he, and he was into it. And then I was just he was following me around for three days, and then like the second two days, I was like, "Dude, he has one of my spare cameras. Just start taking pictures." And then that's how I started getting Boris's pictures. So, been ten years is, of uh, the rest is history. He hung on to you like a bad rash and never left. 
No, no, I wouldn't say that. We um, we've hung out, hung out together, and uh, got a good thing going. So yeah. Um, For any of the listeners that aren't aware of Boris and Sven's relationship, he's just alluded to it started ten years ago. But uh, they're the men behind so many pictures that you see that teams use, races use, Vital. I mean, the list is endless. And Sven, you and Boris often are probably running on. It's not healthy, but maybe two hours sleep no. some nights. Three hours, one, none. Today, right now, was two hours. Uh, the other morning, to four, it was three hours, and then I got four hours once this week. Um, but yeah, going back to ten years ago, um, there's the media room was like just like there. Uh, I think I don't know if, uh, but basically they would kick us out at ten, but we're not finished till about two or three, and then after the, the second night, we knew we'd get kicked out. So instead of arguing and, and begging. I cracked the window, and just before they shut the media center, I pulled one of the Ethernet cables out and dangled it out the window to the roof. Um, and then as soon as they kicked us out, we just waited five minutes, and then we climbed on Claudio's Scott truck. I think his was like the biggest truck, the bus in the, back in the day. Um, and onto the roof of the building, across the like two buildings, and then just sat by the window with the Ethernet cable straight in the computer, and, and we had all the internet in uh, Comezadura. A boon marker plan. A South African yeah, saying for a farmer makes a plan. It's so South African, <laughs> always coming up with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's slim pickings. There's no such thing as mobile. I mean, you couldn't use your phone to do work, and and we didn't couldn't afford proper hotels with good internet. So actually, there was no good internet because it's mountain bike racing. But anyway, yeah. So uh, back to this year. So Full things circle. have certainly progressed for the media guys. Things have progressed for the track. Uh, I wouldn't say they've progressed. progressed for the media guys. They've got just as bad. Well, the internet's and... better. The internet's ah, the better. better. The internet is better. No, yes. you guys are working, I think, uh, more than ever, especially with the world champs when they add four cross, you know, team. Uh, short track, team, short tracks track added in now. Oh, it's, yep. it must be insane for you guys. So, yeah. yeah. We commend you guys. You're the you're the unsung heroes as far as mechanics go and teams behind the races, which we'll get to. And and a lot of the races were mentioning them in their post interviews, which were great. Great to hear that it's a it's a big team effort. But as far as like you know, Red Bull TV media production, UCI, you guys, it's quite the army that has to go to a race to to make it happen. So yeah, and then world is always kick off. Well, world is world is always always different because it's like a world cup but then it's completely not like a world cup and and as a lot of you that were able to watch the live feed if you didn't have a yeah whichever you know you couldn't even watch the live feed here in italy so the people in this town could not watch the live feed can you imagine world champs coming to your race and the slap in the face where you can't even watch the bloody race because it wasn't like it was geo restricted. Well, you can watch it. You're just going to have a different commentator to what you're used to at the World Cup. So, so yeah, I had so both was... feeds on. Bought a VPN, had both feeds on, um, and you know because the, heard, you know with the VPN you're getting a slower internet connection. So I, I want the good picture. So I had to keep timing it and decide which commentary I needed to use, and then making did, my did, notes. So it was pretty interesting. Okay to 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 watch so yeah it is different but and and that's the whole thing and my whole one of the biggest subject lines i think is it's meant to be just another race if you can treat it like that but it's not just another race and the most experienced riders were able to handle that and almost treat it like another race or at least rise to 
the pressure mm. that just mounts and mounts throughout the week. So World Champs is such a unique event for mountain biking, considering other sports, the World Cup series that we have, you would be handed the world champion title at the end of the year for being the most consistent and best for the year. But cycling is not like that. We've got a one-day event, which is super unique, and you can argue it which way, but to be able to win on the day takes a special kind of, of rider and run. Yeah, I think it's actually great that we have two ways of crowning a world champion um, and a World Cup Series champion or World Cup Series champion, yeah. Um, because like you touched on, it's two different approaches to a race, but it can also be the same approach to the race. Um, Minar obviously is, is the king of all world champs, as, as was Nico and, and Caroline um, before him. And 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 Loic, you would say, he's by no means anymore a world champ specialist, but it does take a special mindset to to really do it on a one one day when it takes all all events. Um, and I'll get into it later. Uh, for instance, how being a how for say Thibaut de Prela being a World Cup Series leader how that affected his approach to this race and how he would normally and how we would normally expect to see him go for a, go for a win. So, um, yeah, so it's good to, I think it's real good to have two different ways. It makes it exciting because if you just had the world cup series, you know, if someone gets injured, they're out for the whole race or uh, the whole year in the standings, but yeah, we've got two different ways of, um, of crowning, you know, the world's best uh, each year in mountain biking. Well, three yeah. if there's Olympics as well. Well, yes, in cross country. But I mean, I, I do agree. It, it, as a rider, you could argue that the World Cup overall is the best throughout the season, etc. You know, Gwyn has done that many times and this title's eluded him. And the ironic thing is, which when we'll get to the riders, is this might have been one of the better tracks for him for Worlds, and especially considering the, the new changes and I think how hard it was on the body. But yeah. that strategy you speak about, Sven, if you think about it, it's that one run. And yes, downhill is one run, but like the is mentioning that he knows he's got an overall, so he might push a little bit less and, and get points, you know, if he can get on the podium. But now at Worlds, it takes a special kind of rider to be able to switch into that mindset to say, hey, I can push it a little bit harder, risk a crash. And, and that's not easy for all riders. Some riders like a Troy has struggled with that crazy race speed, but he's just so consistent, so calculated. So... It, it, I mean, it, it really is an amazing race and, and the feeling you get at a world champs and, and the, the pressure in the pits and the pressure at the top mm. of the hill, it is 100% different to a World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, exactly. Um, you know, I don't want to state the obvious with Greg being able to handle the pressure because I'm sure we'll talk about Greg in, in a bit. But um, yeah, it's it's. but at the end of the day, when you do go up for that, that race run, um, the prep and the mindset is the same going into it. You're doing your same warm up. You're doing your eating. You're doing your same stretching in the down below, and you're doing your warm up up top the same. So there's certain things you are doing exactly the same. But then it's the, I guess the mental, but which is that extra little ingredient on top to to um, to handle and take a world champs win. And then especially we had that fair bit of heavy rain the night before and then a sprinkling of rain mid-race and um, you'll see it definitely affected the race um, the the rain the night before if you see where where Vali and, and a couple of the other people crashed where the 
you know, Valdesol never really used to have hard pack, but there's a lot of hard pack insections now. We used to have loam and rock, and now we've got hard pack and rock with a tiny bit of loam. And when you add that little bit of rain, and the girls are going a bit earlier, like, um, yeah, it's, it's like dealing with a slightly different track where it's actually better in a lot of places because of the rain. But then there's a few places where, you know, and you don't know how it's going to be. And, and, and that's where we saw Valley lose it, really. Yeah, I, I definitely saw that um, you were there, but uh, looking at all the practice videos and then looking at what happened with a bit of rain and, and there's absolutely going to be a little bit of like it being a bit unpredictable and, and Valley got a bit unstuck there and, and definitely that rock was more slippery than it was, you know, first few days practice. But speaking of the course, so Valdesol has hosted mm. three world champs in the last... It's 2008, 2008, 2016. It almost feels like they've hosted the most world champs in the last 10, 12 years, which they, which they have. And, and I think Munsonan and Leogang might have, or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they won of their It feels there, like it comes sure. around. It feels like it came around quite soon with the last one. Um, but the course, definitely, they always build a great track there. They always put a lot of effort in. Um, thoughts from what they did to it now, they, they sort of brought in a lot more rock built up a lot um, of the, the corners and stuff. It was, I would so say I liked some, yeah, I liked, I liked some, some of the changes um, and they, they made for good racing, but um, they did a really good job with taping the top on, on similar, but very different line um, that we'd raced on before. And as well as the middle open, but all, all the slight changes, although they added flow, it also added a lot of speed, and by second runs, even people that hadn't been up here a couple of weeks before pre-practicing, um, they were ready up to speed. So it wasn't like that first rocky section you would come in and you would puzzle for half of day one practice and, and you would see five of the fast guys on three different lines. After about two runs, I'm going to say 80% of the field were on the same line, and that never used to happen at Valdesol. Um, so that's a little bit taken away from things, but then there is still, you know, it is wide and there's lots of options, but there wasn't really, um, say fresh loam. There was, there was none of that. And that, that was what we loved so much about this in the first place. And then to make it visually spectacular or to put the effort in because it's world champs and upgrade the track, maybe they put some piles of rocks where they didn't need to be. You're already on a steep technical section. That's always, been exciting just a section after where you crashed and then they add like the rock garden on a down slope fadeaway that had no flow and there was soft dirt between the rocks so there was holes forming so that that's like kind of unnecessary to attract like Valdesol. if you're in canberra and you need to do that kind of stuff or peter maritzburg then fair play but um you don't need to do that here but so what it did is just brought the field closer together the track faster shorter like i think it's a record time down Valdesol. um which is good, but Valdesol never was like a flat-out track like Lenzahara and, and, and Monsanan. It used to have its few niggles and, you know, um, but maybe, you know, maybe the riders like it and they don't like being as tight and stuff. And, yeah, and, uh, I mean, it was, yeah. it was always a track that you could say was quite difficult to ride, especially the first few runs. You had to figure it out. So it was that yeah. side of racing. Now, I would argue, and I didn't ride it, and, and I'm not claiming that I would want to anymore, but back in the day it was tough to ride and it was difficult to get down and then it was also physical and it was just it was gnarly it was scary as well now you've kind of taken that side out like kind of anyone could almost get down it from first few runs 
And then obviously yeah. it's hard to go fast. That's always downhill. That's, that's you've lost a little yeah. bit that the, the 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 guy that's very technical ability, someone like a Remy Tiron, uh, you, you know, you kind of take away some of his skill set. And I, I don't know if the results would be that much different because it's so physically demanding. It's yeah. all champs. You know, the cream but, rises to the to the top and it did in both fields. The most experienced rider in the women's, in my eyes, and the most experienced rider by a mile in the men were on, on the top step. So, you know, with yeah, the world I mean, champs, the, the cream rises yeah, to the top. Yeah, these people can... can The cream rises to the top and, and the same people can win on a simple track like uh, like Canberra, Peter Maritzburg, old Leo gang, and they can win on technical tracks. That's what makes them the world's best. So, But then, you know, I've been saying that they took out some technical and made it sort of easier. It was by no means easier. And there were, because of the new taping, there were new lines to be tried and had. And, and case in point is that Antoine Vidal, um, extremely fit, and extremely talented. At the end of the track, he had some special lines that no one else was using or saw uh, before quali. And then when they saw his splits on the lower two sectors, um, suddenly everyone was interested, where the hell is Vidal going in the end? And he straightened up some stuff like only a good old French enduro rider can, and, and he made some magic lines work. And he kind of backed it up. Like, I'm going to say he backed it up, even though he was 10th or 11th. Um, that was an amazing week for him and, and he can be proud of himself, even if he, you know, it must suck to qualify in medal position and then be out of 10, 10 places back in race. But, um, you know, that just shows there is, it's like when Martin Mays came to race, he, he kind of approached it a little bit differently and, and, and he interpreted the track differently and, and, um, and he found his own speed and, and Vidal's kind of done that here and, and he's by no means, you know, he's Enduro World Series champion and junior and, and that doesn't make him an Enduro rider. He, he's kind of right now even focused on downhill and Enduro. So, that, so yes, I don't want to take anything away from, from the track because it is a well-deserving um, uh, no, track. No, 100%. We're not taking but, anything away from that track. That is a brute. Yeah. It's not any easier. It's, it's kind of different, I guess. No. It, it and brought it's, more physicality it, into it as well because you're hitting those, you know, it's, those rocks and square edges even harder. Yeah, and it's a tough thing, you know. The the for these events to be able to run, it's not like back in the day you'd go to a ski resort and they'd have one was no bike park, but they had a downhill track for it for a race. And these places have to be sustainable. So, um, my only wish and hope, my only wish and what should be installed in the future, and, and it should just be flat out ruling from. I know where you go. You know where you go. Yeah, of, no course, of course. You know, no, no, the, you can't. If it's an open public bike park, you can't stop pre-riding. But what, all the changes they made on this track, they really got us on and off the line. And then you use the same bits of track, obviously, where you, where you, where you would normally. But there wouldn't be any gain if you rode those because you've ridden them for you know for, for 10 years. But the new stuff that they taped and, and sent us, that could have been left. So when they built it a couple of months ago, that from there, they could have taped that. They could have still had the Black Snake line and you would share like, 30% of the track, the easy like corridor sections. But that new bit could have just been out of bounds for everyone. What made it even worse, like three or four weeks ago, they put the poles up where the track's going to tape. So everyone that came, not only did they just see, oh, cool, they made this rock. I wonder if it's going to go there. I'd better practice all 10 lines. But they had the fucking poles all just <laughs> like, 
so other than tape, you could literally ride the track. And it showed in it showed in day one practice um, who was up to speed and who looked fast. And and I'm not going to take anything away from Greg's win because at Worlds everyone has an extra day over and above a World Cup, so everyone can get on the on the same thing. And this track, there weren't some crazy techie hidden lines, so like it's not. But there is a some advantage of coming to a track and knowing you're prepared and your suspension's a bit more dialed on day one practice. Um, but then that said, this year, all the main contenders, except for maybe Common Sal Markov, they all came early. And and in the past, I think in the past, nine times out of 10, any pre-practice at any event has all, has never resulted in, in a success um, from that. Uh, you know, like, Loic in Croatia, he broke his elbow because he just went gangbusters first first run. Um, it, there's just like so many examples where it didn't pay off. You know, Danny and Fort William every year, but although for, everyone goes to Fort William because it's a it's a good track to set up your season for. But um, yeah. So in my day and age, when we used to race, even at Big Bear, that was a heavy traffic mountain. The Norba track, the National Pro track, was never ever open. It was only ever taped open for the race and you couldn't ride it and and obviously you can't do that everywhere in the sustainable bike park and this is how we can have events because they wouldn't be able to afford to host events but for, it's goddamn sacred and especially at a world champs yeah i mean i i totally agree and i spoke to some riders when i was in maribor as well and 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 this is not calling out anyone that goes to pre-practice because when it's open or they taped then you you basically forced to go do it anyway so a blanket and it's rule when you have a, should 100% yeah. be in place. Like, okay, we're having a world champs. Uh, we're going to either have a test event, which everyone's invited to, like months before we test some of it, and then we close yeah. it all, and we fix it, and we figure it out. Or we have you yeah. know, some guys that are capable of riding can test some of the sections, because that's also a problem, is building fresh yeah. tracks, and then not yes. even getting someone to test it, and then it's dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Leergang lost year's a purist, case Yeah, but as a purist, if you're having a race that year, no pre-races, no anything, unless it's like a brand new venue, a brand new track, you might need a test event, which Valdesol had back in the day yeah, yeah. in 2007. Yeah, yeah, they had, that, test they had event that test event a year before. Yeah. We tested the track. Yeah. We raced 2008. No ways. If you're having a World Cup, you're not having a test event unless it's a brand new track. Keep it closed. Keep it a secret. Keep the allure there. It's amazing as yeah. riders getting to the track, walking a brand new track. So but, yeah, not calling like anyone this, out because we all would have done it if it's open and it's worlds, go get a feel for it. I don't yeah. think it helps as much because you don't almost ride at the intensity you need to, your bike yeah. setups, everything's different when you get to the world champs. But I agree with you, just blanket statement, yeah. try keep the courses closed. Keep some excitement I mean, into it. E even the guys that came here, which is a lot of people, they said they wished, they said, they would 100% prefer not to have the track open, but because it is open and you've got a full month break and everyone's stuck because they can't go back to their home countries after COVID. So like, what else are you going to do? And you'd be stupid not to as well. But yeah, you've got so like much said, FOMO, you're damned if you do, damned <laughs> if you don't. So you kind of know and, you and shouldn't, you can't, but you need to. And you know you can't be your whole summer in Morzine because you'll just, you just, it'll just be bad news. Um, so yeah, but you know, and like I said, it's a reality. It's a bike park. You can't close that line, but you can tape off all the new stuff so that no one gets out of mind. So simple yeah. as that. Anyway, we, we let's yeah. hope for that. But then let's jump into the racing. Where where do you feel like starting? Um, 
All the you, Kiwi you Juniors. You look, at the okay. Kiwi ju- look at the Kiwi, Kiwi Juniors. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look You've at those guys. There's a like passport s- now. Fair enough. No, I don't, some... care if, if, I don't care where I'm from. There's four four juniors in the top ten. And, and for a small little – whoa, sorry about that. For a small country like New Zealand um, – you know that's that's pretty impressive. So no, that really is impressive. And um, what can can you speak to it a bit? Have you been speaking to? No, because I, even know, even what, like the, bringing it on. They've always had good role models in New Zealand. Um, Wynn and them had Kakaldi and Rankin, and then and then like and then the next generation had the Wins and the Eddies and the and the Blankies and the and the Brooks to look up to. So there's always been. And those guys have always made racing overseas look fun as well. So it's it's not just something to aspire to if you're up and coming racer, but lifestyle of it and the travel of it. You know, when you're in a small country on the other side of the world, like South Africa and and uh, um, New Zealand, you, you know, you your goal is to go overseas and race. And then what better ambassadors to see what Wynn and Eddie and Brooke and Blinky, um, all those guys are doing out there. And then you know, Cam Cole's a junior world champion. And who do they bring in who's helping the performance side of New Zealand cycling? Cam Cole is out there helping them. Oh, so that's awesome. And it should yeah, be like and, that. And they all go and race their national series. They, you know, like depending on their training schedules, they they drop in and race quite a lot of the national series. So the depth is there at a national for the juniors to compare themselves, yeah. meet, ride with. Yeah, and and they um I was just looking literally the photos last night and they were like you see the juniors, but I'm trying to see what sets them apart. And I shot uh, the flyaway into the Sam Hill corner. Um, and I was just shooting that corner from behind because I was shooting the flyaway above it. And I was just looking at a couple of these juniors and how they tucking on the corner and what they're doing with their hips, shoulders, knees, and that, that perfect cornering technique. And I was like, Three of these guys are first year juniors, and this is just not the Kiwi juniors. Um, these are some of the top juniors. And, and I was like, two or three of the guys in the photos, I, maybe I'll send it to you when this comes out, but they have more perfect or as good cornering technique than I've seen on a, on a Gwyn and a, and a Bruni. Like, I was like, fuck, those kids just have it, and it's not learned. It's just every now and then you've got you know, some kids that rise to the top. And... As the years progressed, the level of the junior racing is just heating up because now there's some solid guys and they're trading wins. And um, yeah, and this this race was was actually, you know, although I'm gonna say because he's like that weird experience like Finn had, and and um, you know, although Jackson's still first year and so young, he has like a race ahead. He's been groomed for the role he's in now, even though he was, you know mostly free riding and didn't have a bike with pedals. He's, he's just handling like he's got the low Manar thing. So that's maybe why he won't, but there's some other kids out there. Holy shit. You know, there's going to be some rivalry in the juniors um, for sure next year. And, and it's going to be amazing to see them become elite athletes too. Yeah. I mean, I'm always blown away at, at how they handle the pressure, like a Deprello already, but they, they're getting the reps in as juniors and, and, even though there's say less less depth or Jackson Goldson's at the top, he knows if he gets a good run, he could win gold. That's a lot of pressure that he's put on himself and he's handling it well. So he's getting used to delivering under pressure. And when he gets to elite ranks, you know, the speed might take some time, but when he gets in that position, 
you know, they've got a little bit more reps. Um, and sometimes yeah. it takes longer, which will get to Valley. And uh, I, I think it's pretty natural what she's going through. But, uh, you know, to finish off the New Zealand guys and the juniors, incredible racing. Times are looking fast, maybe not as fast as a Troy Brosnan yet, but they're first. A lot of them are first year juniors that are yeah. that are doing so yeah, every well. Now and then, so it's pretty it, understandable. Exactly. But um, yeah. then what about Pene Toyota from uh, New Zealand as well? I mean, he got 14th at Val de Sol at Worlds. I mean, that's an incredible result. It's it's well, really cool to see. He 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 won at Val de Sol and he beat the Prelo at Val de Sol, if you recall. Yeah, um, I remember and, he had good standout like results. So, he, so he's so, comfortable. Yeah, all the other juniors that year were racing the full World Cup series. He comes out, did two, maybe three races, and he got a a win and then a third place at World Champs. So, so for someone that didn't have the factory support and came out and got up to race pace, this is last year. Um, sorry, the year before, the year before when he was a junior. Um, that shows natural talent and natural ability and his result now as well. I'm not saying he doesn't train, or, um, but I'm going to say he's young, doesn't have experience and hasn't trained or seen to the level of, of sort of a Deprela, you know, say they're the same age. There couldn't be two more different sort of approaches and personalities, um, but both gifted riders. And, and it goes, just goes to show that, that you can come from, all backgrounds and all types of riding styles and come out with the same result. But like Tahutu, a little bit of more grooming and mentoring, which I, which I see Greg doing. Oh, hold on. I've got to kill this. Um, hold on one second, Andrew. Sven's paused his lift so he could do the podcast with me because he's such a super fan of the sport and hard worker. All right, well, we lost Sven for a short little while. He's still got to arrange a lift, and he's such a hardworking hero. He wants to do the podcast before he leaves for Lenzerheide. But we were speaking about some of the youngsters, uh, Toyota from New Zealand, the youngsters like Deprella. But let's jump into the men's field. We've started off. We've covered some men's juniors. Super exciting race, and there were obviously going to be crashes, some flats. It's world champs. I mean, it's that one-run hull for leather. I've never seen so many flat tires. And remember back in the day, you'd always get like broken wheels at Fort William and, and like tons of flats. But then like you don't see a hell of a lot of that anymore um, with the inserts and the tire and rim technology. Like you don't get a hell of a lot of flats in, in mountain biking anymore, which is nuts with how hard they're hitting stuff. And, and they are hitting stuff. They're not trying to go around it. But this week was another story. Square edge rocks, um, can't avoid them. The track is now forcing you to go faster and straighter, and, and it's you know, it's down to the hard pack next to the rocks. Danny Hart got three flats in a row on fuck, was that day one practice or quality? Must have been day one practice. He had three, his last three runs, he had three flats, and then he got another one just before quality. So, didn't he flat in quality? That that must be the this is that must be your lift. No, hello, yes, hello. <laughs> um, I'm going to be another twenty minutes, and then I'm I'm packed. I'm just finishing up a business uh, Zoom meeting. Is that okay? 
Spins being kicked out of his hotel while we do the podcast. Okay, perfetto. I'm packed, so it won't be any longer. Grazie. <laughs> Ooh, I'm in trouble. Check out time was 15 minutes ago. Uh, well, that's oh. standard with you. Yeah, so well, we're going mean, we to we, keep this fucking fast, fast, Andrew. Let's I'm get efficient. Hours efficient. I'm a two-hour sleep. Um, we'll do it as efficient as those riders down yeah. the hill. Yeah, I did see Danny struggle with that. He must. Didn't well, he not, flatten not just, Quali as well? Um, possibly. Just a lot of people. A lot of people. So it wasn't like one tire or rim manufacturer. Amory was actually going a hell of a lot quicker than I expected to him to be after not riding his bike for two months. Uh, he didn't flat. He just folded his wheel entirely, and 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 um, he said that one. He. he he didn't even know what. Like often, he says, "You know when you're hitting stuff, and you you prepared to hit it." So, and he was in touch, even though his split say was twelve. That top split, he was only like less than less than point four back off some guys on the podium. Um, so that's a shame for him and and for Danny that maybe would didn't get as many runs at pace. But you know that is part of your job. It is well the soul, and and it is to be expected. Just way more than we've seen in in recent times. Um, yeah, Smashing. yeah. I mean, Danny's a, Danny's a rider that does do quite a lot of runs, some fuller runs to get up his pace and his flow. So it will be frustrating. I mean, he's a he's a former world champion, so he's able to block it out and, and get on with business. But yeah, I think Amari to come back to this track, it's awesome that they're so motivated to get back. I mean, they're proper professionals getting back that quick. When doctors said it would be longer for Amari, so yeah. I mean, to hurtle down that hill first race back. I mean, he didn't have a lot of days on the bike. Yes, you can do yeah. gym fitness, etc. But there's no, there's no substitute no. for downhill time, and that's what we're seeing with Greg. He's putting a lot more downhill time in, and it's it's paying off. So yeah, Danny Hart had a great showing, uh, in in fifth. Yeah. I mean, the times are so close. You can say, oh, he got fifth. It's disappointing, but I mean, he's one point eight back, um, and he's only you know, one point four off a medal which would would have been an incredible ride as well so times were incredibly and, tight there at the top and he um he won here last as uh, as the world champ at world champs he won he was the last person to win world champs here so you know he always rises to the occasion on those bigger sketchier gnarlier tracks that other people shrink from so for sure um yeah he, he would have been one that going into it he was would have been going for the win um and knowing Danny being Danny at this kind of track. Yeah. But, um, yeah. He, um, he's, he's definitely maturing as a rider and as a, as a father now, and he's got the family there and, uh, but you can see in his riding style, I know the track's not as loose as it was. So, but he definitely is, is, is more kind of calculated, I think, and, and definitely maturing as a, as a rider. So that was great. Great to see. He's one of the guys I remember racing there. And I mean, I was, desperate with arm pump it was miserable for me and if, and and i heard loik talking about it leading up to it. so if you've got someone like loik talking about the arm pump but between danny yeah. and greg i think their body types barely get it and you can see how good they are down the bottom of the track and i think this track more than some others if you can be fast in the last two sectors or at least not fatigued you don't even have to be that fast because everyone else is fading so badly or just like they think they're going to grab breaks and their arms are just so fatigued that you end up just grabbing a handful and one or two handfuls in the wrong corner. I mean, you can lose seconds. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, yeah. It's interesting how 
you've got to have a perfect race run in, 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 in different sectors or at least have a couple of really good sectors or at least win some sectors. Um, Greg did none of those. Um, he, <laughs> I don't know, maybe we're jumping ahead to Greg too no, soon. No, no, just um, go, but, go around. He deserves it. He's yeah. won the damn race. Yeah, but uh, he, he um, Steve, I was at the bottom just when he crossed the line and Steve was like, he wasn't on any of our lines and, and and that just goes to show and this is what comes back to that certain people are can deal with the mental side of it at a race like Worlds or maybe a big final when it's close. He he was pushing, but knowing the pace he needed to push and going offline, he was okay with it. Um, some riders can't handle going offline and, and it throws them out, but Greg was able to ride Lines is not even practice. He's aware of them and, and where you know obviously where you're gonna go and if you end up on them. But he missed a hell of a lot of lines and he he specifically Greg just sent me a voice message. Um it's um is, can you hear that ping? Uh Andrew? no, but even if we do, who cares? This is natural <laughs> live podcasting from Valdez Soul at the finish area. It's part it's, of the part of the game. It's typical Greg. He hates typing. So like you'll send him a WhatsApp message and it'll come back with a voice message. And I, and I hate, that's like the point of WhatsApp. So you don't have to talk to someone or, or listen to them anyway. So he's been lazy, <laughs> but those boys will be hungover. But going back to, um, to Greg, like, and one of his biggest mistakes, which I think maybe won him the race, he said he, he, he slipped out somewhere because he slipped out. He missed a shift point or, or something. And when he, he blew the one corner, but he wasn't too hard a gear for not carrying the exit speed or he missed his shift point because he was offline. So he, well, he said he was in like, he was on the hardest gear and he had to start his like sprint out. I think maybe it was the last turn after, ah, oh, that was it. After the last drop, he, he um, sent the Samuel drop to turn and he was in like two gears too hard, but is that adrenaline must've like, you know, he was overloaded on, on too hard a gear but I think almost that too hard a gear literally might have won him the race. So like it's weird, like a mistake up top could have made him dig deeper when he realizes in a harder gear to muscle that much harder to 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 beat Kalange and Troy because Kalange, if you listen to Kalange's splits, it's five three one one. Greg's are four seven four three. Like to me, Kalange sounds like he had the better splits you know and and he spoke about riding a perfect race for him he was super happy but on to greg's point he's one of the few riders that can handle a mistake like that mentally exactly physically physically as well because he always pedals a taller gear than some and it looks like he's doing like less revolutions or not pedaling as hard but he's so Mm. powerful those road rides that i did with him and you know up when i went to check on his training and we did that project all right well classic uh, internet recording who knows if it's South Africa or Italy at this stage. But we're back. We were talking about Greg, you know, doing super well on his last sector. I mean, he'd done hard work all the way down. But he he has a uncanny knack of knowing what sort of runs he's on. And he's able to sometimes step it up. Other runs are not. And that's probably a little bit of the opposite of what happened to Loris Vergia. You know, the man of the moment, man on form, winning qualifying time practice, whatever you want to call it, which we should dig into a little bit because it's a little bit different yeah. from the world's. But 
he must have known he's got the pace. He must have known he can throw down. And, and you know, subconsciously, it's it's very tough. The body might shut down a bit knowing that he's on a good run because his first two splits were great. He could have got a bit fatigued, but I'm not really thinking that, you know. But it's tough. If you start riding a bit tight, the body will fatigue, even if you are one of the fittest guys out there. Well, Greg, Greg, this track's shorter in time and, and straighter. Greg, for the first time, had his arms collapse on him twice. Um, in the last shoot before you pop out and out of the trees, he said he like dipped down and he was like, oh shit. And he was like, he said like, I, my arms never collapse there and it hasn't collapsed all week. So he's, which means he's pushing that much harder. He's going over and above. But then he said the one place where his arms does collapse a little bit in training is on the flyaway jump. So now he's had it just collapse. Yeah above it where it never collapses so he was just thinking i want to go off here no brakes i i can and i have gone off here no brakes but if my arms collapsed up there what the hell is going to happen so he said he like he said when he went off he, there was a chance he knew there was a chance that he was so fatigued that he might not be able to keep himself up so can you imagine sending it and not like he because and and he did the right decision because if he had tapped his brake he wouldn't have won the race, but you know he would have known for sure that he wouldn't. His arms would have stayed up, so he went off that, and he would have just been praying and muscling, and he kept himself upright. Um, with Loris, like nosedived, he was also must have been experiencing the same fatigue. Uh, I don't know if you saw in the live feed, Loris came front heavy down, and, and that's just the guys are at the end of their rope. Um, but you know what was really nice to see? Vergier, who was without a doubt came into here the favorite. Um, he's kind of peaking now for the season. Um, and he looked the best on track alongside of Loic and a couple of others, um, uh, Coulange for sure. Um, but Loris, for someone that should have won, maybe he knew it and everyone knew it, his team knew it, immediately at the finish line, he was just like, it was like he had just done a practice run and he was happy and he was smiling and hanging out with the mates. And for a guy in fourth, fourth is possibly the worst place Second and fourth are the two worst places to finish in Worlds. Second is like, I could have won. Fourth is like, I didn't get a medal. Third, you're stoked because you obviously couldn't win, but you weren't fourth, you know? But when you're second, you lost the race. When you're third, you won the race because you got yourself on a podium. But when you're fourth or second, that's fucking, that sucks at Worlds. And Loris was genuinely happy, just like happy. And I was like, I kind of was like, why are you happy, bro? I said, <laughs> I, I said, and he's like, because I'm super happy with my run. And I'm like, he was so happy with his run. And then he like, and then nobody could shut up about gushing over Greg. And it's like one of those things, you know, um, I forget which world was it when like everyone's just like, like when PD won, but obviously not when, because just because you're like, you maybe know Greg doesn't have many big races like this left, like, so it was even to all these youngsters that want to beat Greg and, and maybe should have or could have beaten Greg, uh, they were so happy for him, which was really cool to see. Like, I guess, you know, maybe Loris wouldn't have been as happy if, if Collange or Troy or Loic won, but he, mm. he was happy to, to have Greg win. And, and that's testament to, like, when you have a true champion, like, everyone's happy when they win. You know, there's no, like, oh, I wish he won. I wish, you know, everyone has their favorites for sure. But it's like when Petey won. No, actually, I'm not going to compare it to Petey because Petey's God. But um, Greg's just the goat, but Petey's God. Um, but you can't like, not everyone, help everyone, but be everyone, stoked. 
It's like Everyone I'm, I'm getting texts from like random people that like they don't even like watch that much downhill. And obviously yeah. it's the South African side. Everyone wants a South African to do well or wherever you're yeah. from. Of course, you're going to root for your own countrymen. But then you go, hang on. So I'm watching this sport that looks ridiculous that I would never even go near, you know, as like a bystander. Like you guys are the most crazy people in the world. It's like, well, you know, if you do it enough, it kind of feels pretty normal. I guess it's crazy. And then you're like, isn't he 40? Isn't he 39? Yeah. Like, what is yeah. he still doing down racing down a hill that he could die? And and that when you when you sit back as a as a person that doesn't ride, you're like, what he's doing just doesn't make sense. And then even we can go, doesn't make a lot of sense to still be mixing it up with the youngsters and risking yourself. And he's just so competitive. So of course, who could how could you not root for him and not be super impressed? I mean, you yeah. have to be out of your mind to not go, well, that's one of the most impressive downhill runs we've ever seen to win down Val de Sol yeah. at your age. It's too bad that the live feed didn't capture it as well as it would have at a World Cup when when, when Red Bull are in charge of the production. Um, so that's a bit of a shame for people. But, um, yeah, of course, Greg winning now and the timing in his age, I had to ask him, dude, perfect time to retire. Like, there isn't. Like, Roscoe was like, Greg, call it. Don't even bother racing Lenzada. You're done. Let's go. And and but like Greg is just like, for one, what else is Greg going to do? He's just racing has been his life. He didn't finish school. He's been racing. But also, as he said, maybe he hasn't said it so directly, but like why the hell should he retire? It's not like he's hanging on to a fifth and just getting a podium. He's winning bloody races last year and now this year and a big race like this. So like, if you could still win races, why retire? You know, if you're slipping out of the top 10 or then slipping out of protective rider status, yeah, then you're going off on a slow fizzle. So, like, yes, it would be perfect year to retire. But, like, everyone talks about him being 40. He's not 40. He's 39. So he probably wants to race at 40 and just set one more record, you know? Well, he said yeah. he said he wants to win at 40, and it's perfectly and capable of doing that, as well as what a maybe – Next year is the, you know, the hurrah season and he goes out racing in the World Champs jersey. Maybe he's not as focused next year and it is kind of a farewell <laughs> tour around the world. Who knows? Like You mean like Petey when he's just like, I won World Champs and he just didn't train the whole year and just well, came to the first World Cup with a beard and then... <laughs> yeah. Well, I think with Petey and, and I can't comment directly, but I think when you wait so long and you deserve that world champs and you finally get that, that was like the last piece of his puzzle. Like yes. Greg, Greg has this open-ended puzzle that's just sitting there. Yeah. He's like, oh, I love figuring it out. Like, I'm going to try a shorter stem. I'm like, are you meant, you did what? Tried a yeah. shorter stem, which totally offsets the whole feel of a bike. And he's willing to try get comfortable and say, you know what, that really is going to help keep my weight back i got to figure yeah. out my suspension from there. And he's not even like getting head fucked with it. He just knows that if he can figure it out a bit, it's going to be something he wants to try. Where other riders would figure out, try that, chase themselves, go around, chase their tail, and not end up focusing on their run or their pace. So and I think for Greg to commit to some of these setup changes, and they're not just knowing that he's ticked all the boxes. That was a total setup change to change his feel and get his weight back. And it helped. And, and well, and especially for race one, like I said, twice he like collapsed to the bars. That stem was five more longer, like it was on first day practice. That might have been it for him, you know? So, well, fair play. They figured it out. Yeah.
No, no, fair play. Fair play. And a great run by Troy. So Troy was, like you said, he'll be happy with that because he maybe didn't quite have the pace for the win on the day. Um, and if you see Greg winning, it's like we said, it's hard not to be impressed by Greg being at the top and you able to share the podium. Um, I, I do think Troy has switched up another gear and he's able to find a little bit more race pace. Um, yes. And between and, and him Tro- and Greg were really hopping into turns, hopping out. They were precise but aggressive. And I did want to yeah. state some of that. Like Greg saying that he wasn't always on the perfect line, but his breaking points were incredible. His commitment in and out of turns were, was like flawless as well. Yeah. Um, there's this like flat, fast rock section just after the very first um... – not flat, quite. Anyway, it had some gradient. There wasn't really a good line through it. The good line, you kind of had to weave a little bit to keep it smooth and miss the rocks. Greg just went on the gas and just went duh, 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 like four massive hits, but at absolute full gas. While other guys were trying to get the smooth, smooth line, and and you know, like yeah, Greg was like the yeah. Was it 17 or 16 when he snapped his bike? It looked like he was going to like just on pace to win that. Like that, he practiced with such intensity. There was not one one race wasted practice run, and and that's the similarity between Pom Pom and and Greg this this week. And in fact, Pom Pom from the last I'd say two races, she has got this new not a new, but she is so with her head down and her shoulders and her elbows are out and she's attacking from practice one run, you know, it's like she's, she has a process and she's sticking to it. Um, there weren't big jumps on this track. Um, there's a few gaps you could do, but Pom Pom is like following the process so strictly, like at a Leger when there was a big hip, hip step down, she was the first girl to do it. And out of all the jumpers on the World Cup series, She's probably like fourth on the like who would be comfortable hitting jumps, sketchy jumps, but she stuck to her process and she did a day one, second run practice, and that's what she did here. And the similarities between her and Greg on track and in training were quite remarkable. Um, the process and and you know they were they weren't trying. I mean, you know they're trying different things all the time, but their race runs. Their practice runs, every run is used to the end of it, you know? But that's a great point, the the, the process. And when we said, hey, it's you meant to treat it just like another race, but it's not, those riders with the experience are able to stick to their process. So, yes, they know there's more pressure. Yes, they know it's world champs. They know what's on the line. But then they come back to the process. This is how I'm going to mm. practice. Then I'm going to set my bike up. <clears throat> I'm willing to try certain things. Then, I, yes, I'm at the top of the hill. I'm going to stick to my exact warm-up. And make sure my mental state is in that position that I know I can perform, not getting ahead of myself. And that's like way easier for me to say that here than even then go up to the top of the course. And for any ride, it's like, I'm going to stick to my process. But with Greg's experience, Pom Pom's experience and how they practice, they knew I've done all the work. I practiced as hard as I could. I've done the setup. All I got to do is get to the first few turns smooth consistent and then the rest will take care of itself and greg let it happen he made some mistakes but you also i've seen him more committed in that run than than a lot of other runs he he has a a crazy knack for knowing on track where he's able to push over almost over his limit knowing that there'll be a catch berm or knowing that he can make a mistake and where he knows this is not the place that i'm gonna push and and you saw it on that uh step down like two-thirds of the way down um, 
he was attacking in there and he knew that he was going to hit the second down serve. He was so precise there, but committed. And and that that was probably what you know made the difference is he really knows where he can attack uh, yeah. to his ability. So um, before you jump to to Miriam, which was an, an incredible ride and so great to see her back because she's been through a lot in this sport and, and given a lot to the sport. So to get yeah. something back was amazing. But maybe we jump through some notables in the men and, of course, well, uh, Coulange, Coul we got Coulange is more than a notable. I mean, he, he basically won that race on the technical yeah. stuff. Then but he kind just, of lost it in the pedal, you could argue. He's, um, yeah, well, he's still got, you know, um, the split four, you're still first, first, but then it's after split four where Greg maybe um, sealed the deal. But, uh, you know, I, um, there's an incredible camp and team of you know you have that common cell Markov team but all the knowledge gained there is shared amongst all the three or four or ten or twelve other common cell teams that are out there and um so that's like having a, a huge research and development project and Coulange is, is like you know the Prola got hurt but he's back and he's back on top of it and Omri got hurt but it's almost like he's like another team another family member French rider on a common cell and he's like just filling the void, you know, like, and quietly doing so. And he's just stealthily crept up there, but his pace from, from practice was just, he's smooth, but he can ride some gnarly stuff. He's just that. Um, yeah. I, I don't know it's how almost, to explain his riding. It's almost it's just, a bit it's, un unorthodox. I would say it's a little bit unorthodox. He's so lanky that he looks a bit, you know, gangly on the bike. But yeah. he's able to absorb those holes. He's really able to yeah. use his limbs as almost more suspension. Yeah. But where Greg and, sort of hits the stuff and, and hits it hard, Coulange is, is supple and soft over the stuff, you know? Yeah, he definitely um, floats over. I agree. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, and what a nice guy. And point two, you know, like, you know. Fuck, that's... Point two <laughs> that could have changed his life like pretty crazy right now. Yeah, but you know what? Fair play. Like, I think those guys um, on that team, the, if they was a team of the day, they would have won it, you know, because they had four riders on, in the top four, um, in the men's and the women's. Um, so, or something like that, or, four, or top five. But uh, they were three riders. They, you know, they would have been team of the, if this was a World Cup and a, a award team of the day. So, I think, you know, that, that team will go from strength to strength, and uh, I would assume, and I would, I would hope, or not, uh, we didn't get more backing, and and uh, sort of, you know, there's a big difference between the Comencel Makov truck and then the Dorville setup, and and I think, you know, um, it'll be sweet to see Coulange battling Deprella and uh, Omri for like top guy in the Comencel, you know, yeah, not I to mean, mention a, the, the other people. Absolute... You've got Absolute underdog, but sometimes guys perform better, you know, flying under the radar. He's super humble. Maybe he doesn't even, maybe he won't like the limelight or the expectations that come with a second place at, at World Champs. But he is super humble. It's, it's not, it's, he's just got a great attitude. He's great in the interviews and, uh, yeah, awesome ride. And then we'll move on to maybe people that expected, wanted more. I think Loik's, that practice crash, I, I would assume, shook him up pretty good. You know, I mean, um, was that not his? Was that practice? Though wasn't that his quali run? Uh, no, I know that thing came out on first day practice. As far as I know, the huge, what did he? The huge, no, that was, it was a huge moment Jersey. that he put a real, 
that he yeah, had yeah, put on his was... Instagram, the reel, the reel at the top was... of the track. Yeah, I thought that. Have you seen I it? Thought... Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. I... But he's in his French national jersey. I need to so refresh. I think that was qualifying, bro. Do I'm, I need I'm, to? I'm, do I need to I'm refresh sure. your memory? I, I've seen it, dude. I've, I've seen Brooks crash, which is like a hundred times worse than that. That was the worst no, thing I've seen. No, I, I know, but I didn't. Almost didn't want to bring up Brooks crash. Brook, Brook is. Um, okay, fair enough. He's in his he, French jersey with a number board on. Yes, dude. It's race. It's 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 um it's quality, dude. And and that's oh, that... said he, he he being a quality, he he wanted to you know okay. They don't have time training, so and you can time yourself, but you never have a clear track. It's not the same intensity, and and Loic wanted to put a heater on on quality because he wanted to know his time, and he also wanted to know when he stacked up. Like um, people aren't really keeping the cards to their chest in, in quality because you don't get timed runs. Quality is a, 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 a seeding or whatever they're calling it is a good way to test where you are, um, and also to feel how things go at race pace. So he pushed as you would and it went wrong so did that make him not push as he would on race day because like he didn't want to push like he did in quality so he notched back a tiny bit but then just too much you know Hard yeah know. i mean Hard it's, it's such a mental battle to bounce back from look he clearly didn't get hurt or you know got a few scratches we found the only soft dirt if no if if you haven't seen this moment go to loik's instagram and watch that reel of this crash but um, it's really tough to bounce back from that. If you have like a moment like that, that you could have been in the hospital. I mean, he crashed for 40 meters like endo, then got bucked, then launched off his bike. There's rocks everywhere. I mean, he could have really got got hurt there. So that wasn't the best preparation. Like you say, he was trying to put a run down in quali. Yeah. Uh, he's a rider that's happy to lay his cards out there and check his time. You know, back in the day, someone like Sam Hill, someone like Gwyn, they seem to be able to not need to do that. They kind of know where their race pace is, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe not show their cards. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was obviously tough for him. But he's a four-time world champion already. I mean, at his age. He, yeah. I think, is the modern-day Nico and Fabian because of the stats. Don't lie. At his age to win that many titles and rise yeah. to the occasion. So, just wasn't his year. It, he's been a little bit behind the eight ball this year. Uh, but it, it's kind of how it goes in downhill racing. Craig hasn't mm. always been winning races every season. He hasn't had a medal at World Champs for a while as well. Five so, five years, yeah. Yeah, so so these things happen. And then obviously De Prella, we were maybe expecting some crazy wild run and, and a huge and, and he flat out from him. And he flat out said he wasn't going to do that, like which is rare because he usually does that even when he says he doesn't do it. But uh, he has got his head – he's got his eye on the um, – World Cup overall, and when Makes you in, in the like, it, you know, who knows when he'll be in the lead again in the series? So like, it's like the perfect time. He's he's got to do it, and and uh, when you're ahead of uh, Loic and Amri's out for the overall, then it's like, oh shit, I've, I've got to hang on to this. And and he he rode smart, and and that kid is wise beyond his years. He's like, got he knows what he needs to do, and and. You know, I don't, I don't know how he's, he's, he's learned from, from Nico and the, and the greatest. So he's, uh, yeah, I think we'll see him take it, to, take the overall this year. Um, maybe it's a bit premature to say that. Um, yeah, but um, there's a couple of other guys. Reese Wilson blowing his tire off. He wasn't on a winning time. Angel Suarez looked solid and strong all week. Um, Dakota Norton came down yet again without a visor. Massive crash on a good run. Um, 
yeah, man. Uh, yeah, th- th- those are the names. But I've I've got to. You can talk about them more after Andrew, but I've got to move on to women because I'm going to get evicted here. Okay, but before you go to women, no, that's <laughs> fine. We can be efficient because downhill is efficient sport. Yeah, but I don't, rush, the, I don't uh, want to. I don't want to rush a woman because that's not fair on the meter. But we're going to have to. I'll, I'll maybe I'll do a solo one, but. What about yeah? And before you jump there, we've got to mention Laurie. Could have easily been a winner here. What is there anything that I missed, or was it just a crash that derailed that? I think just he felt, yeah, um, he felt confident. This this is the track he knows he can win on. Has won on second here as, as a first year elite at World Champs in sixteen. Um, so he kind of feels like he let. He let it go. Like, you know, when you use the certain races, like, fuck, that one I can win. Oh, the next one I can't. It's probably like golf, you know? Maybe the certain courses you know you can win on. I don't Maybe it's not like golf. But like surfing, like some guys are pipe specialists and they know they can win a pipeline, but they can't win a trestles. Yeah. And and Laurie uh, knows that this was a, a chance to take a win. And we actually already spoke about, you know, where the next couple of worlds are. And he's like, well, it's not, I haven't really done well there, but I know I could win there. It's, it's a weird one. Um, where's the next World Champs? Jeez, I should know this. Um, but we spoke about it, and he's like, I haven't actually got a good result. Oh, I forget the where, – where's the next World Champs, Andrew? I forget. I'm also drawing a anyway, But it was, it was interesting. schedule for yeah. next year. So, so, so Laurie is, is like he's, he's in good spirits and he's happy with how his week went. Um, but, you know – that's that's what happens when you when you're going for it. But uh, and he and he looked pretty incredible all week. Um, all their kits look good, and their bikes just also everyone's bikes are working so good. Um, but uh, yeah, so he has no regrets. Um, he's he's you know he, no regrets, but he's he knows he kind of let one slip by that would have been his for the taking, or you know better than the upcoming ones. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one, and and there's going to be a lot of expectations. And you, as a rider, often yeah, you have favorite tracks. The other tracks, you know, you just got to work harder to do well. But you know, a crash derailed those chances, and it's world champs. We always see more crashes, more mechanics. It's just more things happening. So um, yeah, yeah, it was an incredible race. Like you say, it was a little bit different, but it was cool because you got to watch, say, some riders that not on the live feed because you get to watch more riders. So that was that was in- incredible, and then. Equally incredible was Miriam's run in the in the women. That was it was dominating. Yeah. I mean, there's no other word for it. Like you said, she clearly came out with a goal but, in mind from first practice run, and it paid off. You know, when uh, when Rachel used to win by fairly good margins, yet she always looked in control. Like she wasn't throwing, like she wasn't risking. Like oh, you shouldn't be trying to have such a big margin and risk a run. Like that's how Pom Pom's run was, you know. In the modern racing, that was a fairly good margin, um, but she looked composed. Uh, you know, the, yeah, the bike's doing things, but she rode well within her pace and and um, stuck to her her whole whole weekend. And man, we could talk another whole podcast on on Vale because from from day one practice, it, it was kind of it was evident that it wasn't going to be Valley or Pom Pom. I've got to, I've got to say, um, and people look good in sections and Tani looked really good in certain places. And, 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 and Kabaru is finally back up to kind of where she left off because she's had a bad season, um, after her crash in Leger. 
uh, yeah, so it was going to be, in my eyes and maybe a lot of other people's eyes, it did look like it was going to be one or the other, um, Vale or Pom Pom. Um, and, you know, Pom Pom's just been doing it that much longer than Vale. So I think it's she just doesn't get derailed. And then, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, I reckon if Vale had won the opener at Leo Gang, she might have won like two or three more or, or podium two or three more. And it's now just, it's become this like monkey on her back. But it's also good because she didn't, she tried to do a safe run the last World Cup and that like she wasn't on the podium and she let that slip by. And and she probably was like, well, I'm not going to do that again. And like her wheels slipped and it was literally just sketchier conditions than, than the guys had. And she was going for the win and, and so be it. You know, she wasn't going for a, a finish or a podium. And uh, yeah, so, you know, could have, should have, would have. It would be interesting to see who would have done, um, done well or better. But Pom Pom's in the shape of her life and, and she's prepared. And, and uh, you know, so uh, those two are going to battle. Hopefully, like, Pom Pom doesn't retire while Valley gets up into a prime. But, um, yeah, they're going to battle for some time. No, I mean that uh, the, the with the, the rest good, of them. The good thing for Valley is she has many years ahead. No, of she's sick. I'm sick of that one. Pretty. No, no. I was that was my next point. It's like <laughs> you can say that, but I'm pretty sure she's sick of hearing that. But unfortunately, this yeah. is her path, a learning curve that she's forced to go through now. Like you said, she didn't crash at Leo Gang. She might have gone on a roll, and it wouldn't be a thought about crashing in a race run. But in the back yeah. of her mind, unfortunately, that thought will pop up. Oh, it's a yeah, race run. Yeah. I keep crashing in race runs. So she'll get the monkey off her back. But, uh, you know, I, it was a racing incident. I don't think it was yeah. pressure. I don't think it was anything. She came in a little bit slippery there under braking. She unclipped, like slipped, unclipped. That's normal. That happens to everyone. And then she tried to get yeah. over that next pole, and she wasn't quite clipped in, and the front wheel just slid on that rock, which, you know, with that bit of rain, that was the end of it. So pretty big racing yeah. incident. That's what she's also got to do is realize – what was pressure? Did she ride tight or was it just a racing incident? And then put that behind mm. her. Um, easier said than done. Uh, yeah, I saw but... a paint, one of the quotes on her paint job. I think it was something to do with patience or something. And, and that's what she yeah. needs to do. She's yeah. clearly riding yeah, but, great you know and it's going to come. The, the best improvement I saw out of her, um, which I was quite happy to see, I've, I've got to say, Depreler had his moments in the last couple of years when a race never went his way in, in juniors. Um, you know, he could have acted a bit more gracefully at the finish line, or not. In the, no one did anything, and Vale has definitely not done anything. Um, she's never like banged her bars like maybe Depreler has in the past. But you know, when she's had a shitty run, she's like kept her head down and just got out the finish. You know, just full of emotion and just got out the finish arena, crashing. After qualifying first and crashing the worlds, like it was a different valley. She's handling the losses, and this race is the the best reaction I've seen to a race run gone wrong. And I think that's the like the first step to accepting that this is a fun sport. And she's had fun this weekend. She's been around Noga, um, and uh, she was smiling, hanging out at the finish area, and having like being part of the girls. Like the girls have got a, a tight, strong bond, and and she's maybe been a little bit outside of that, but like this race, when I was like wondering how is she going to deal with this as she rolled by and out, and I was like, 
I was like, and then I was watching, I just kept my eye on her and as the other girls were coming down and then she like smile came up and she came around to where all the other girls were stopping and watching the race. And, and that to me is like her first step on learning how to becoming an adult, you know, and dealing with it and realizing we are racing bikes and, and it may be careers and jobs and stress and pressure, but she is only 19 and, and, and she's like figured out she can enjoy it even if she crashes and, and loses worlds. So that was positive that she can take away and i think that will help her you know uh, yeah so that's that's my observation for valley i think it's i think it's a great observation i did see them in the finish line and she was there and and taking the whole moment in and i think that's great that does show uh you know a lot of experience maturity well, beyond her years yeah maturity beyond yeah. her years and things were not easy for her because she went through an injury and stuff but when you're winning everything you know you're not forced to deal with this much disappointed or you know, yeah. bad races. And now she's just had them all in like close succession. And uh, I think she'll move on from this. And I think Lenzaide and their last races will probably be really good for her. You know, maybe she's like, yeah. okay, I've got through Worlds now. It didn't go my way. I was actually really leading up to that. And, you know, let's end the season on a high, hopefully, for her. But, I mean, Cami, speaking of maturity, experience, uh, BMT, I mean, that is awesome for her to back up last year, get a medal. She's been racing amazing at the World Cups. She's showing that she can be good on any kind of track. I mean, yeah, I'm just blown away at her BMT. BMT? Big match temperament. You were too busy surfing to be playing school sports and understand what BMT is. (laughs) She has the BMT without a doubt. And she's a smart girl and she's worked and worked hard on all of her weaknesses, which are all the like important bits of becoming an all round Daniela, you know, like she probably got sick of hearing that she's good in steep, techy, slow, wet tracks. And now she's not just good there. She's good everywhere. She's got a full package and she knows she still has even more to make up and she's working and she's a fast learner. Like she's probably been riding her bike other than Jessica Blewett she's probably been riding Daniel mountain bikes less than any other girl in the top 10 um looking at top 10 yeah Nina Hoffman Jessica Blewett and Cami Blanche the least experienced bike riders and look where they are they they're at the top of the world so so what I see them in the upcoming years where the others might have plateaued or, or or reaching you know going up slower those ones um, are just going to get better as they experience. And as their skill and ability gets developed, you can't develop these skills in three or four years. Like they, you know, um, so like Jess Blewett, man, her first season World Cup and she's eighth and she was ninth maybe the World Cup before, another Kiwi. Um, the natural yeah, skills. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that. I was waiting for you to mention that. I think it, we must give them shout-outs. There's an incredible well, ride you know, on the world stage. It, it, it doesn't look like she trains a hell of a lot. She has a lot of fun on the bike, but now she sees that she can be in touch of any one second behind someone like Tana Seagrave. It's like, fuck, maybe I should take this seriously and train and not just ride dream track and do whips all the time. And like, you know, like, so it's going to be good to see what, what becomes um, of the, of the women's racing. And, you know, there's other, like Anna Newkirk was a little junior and now she's like 
she's getting strong and going quicker. So it's like, it's cool. Yeah, it's good to see. Yeah, and um, like Millie, Millie's coming into own. I mentioned yeah. in the previous race. Um, yeah, for sure. What about, let we speak about uh, Eleonora Farina. She did make a costly mistake nine seconds yeah. back. Could she have been on the podium three? I mean, I would argue yeah. it would have been pretty close. Yeah, yeah. No, that she, was a she costly, was, costly she, mistake for her. And uh, yeah, it would have been tough. Was, tough with the she pressure after the Maribor uh, result and then coming to like a home country race here. She was, for me, going to be on the podium uh, after watching her in practice. So she's going to be kicking herself because she is strong and, and confident and that's what you need on this track. And she looked at all week, so unlucky for a race run. Yeah, definitely unlucky. And then Tane, you, she's mentioned how disappointed she is dealing with injuries, things like that. So it's just been like a bit of a mental block for her at the moment. She's she's doing all the right things. She's giving the rest and the recovery and then like it goes away and then just flares up. You know, there's got to be something out of alignment and it's pinching because when she puts efforts in, it just like flares up. She didn't ride all, all of uh, quality day. So she's one, mm. one day less than everyone and, um, and she can't, does heavy training because she's got to recover so she can't do her, all her neck shoulder head squats like so she's got to be frustrated because she's only able to go the speed her body allows her and her skill supersedes so she knows she can go faster but physically and, and Rachel was like that a bit as well like when she had injuries she could only go as fast as the injury would allow which has got to be a hell of a frustrating when you know you have the ability and skill to, to be number one um, or in a medal, but your body is holding you back. And yeah, the men can maybe overcome that because they are a little bit stronger. But if your physical game is a little bit weaker on women's downhill, like you got to be strong, especially at this track. Oh shit, there's my lift. There's and my you got to be, and before you run off, you got that affects your mental side as well. So uh, let's. Uh, Speaking of pressure, Sven's been under time pressure here because we do want to see amazing pictures and maybe a podcast from Lenzerhide. So Sven, thanks so much for making the time and being so passionate about the sport and bringing us the inside info because you get close to a lot of these riders and uh, all the post-racing interviews are, are awesome to, to have. So I think great inside, awesome race, that unique World Champs race, awesome. Thanks a lot, Sven. Sorry for rushing through the women. Uh, they everybody is exciting to watch, um, and the fucking the cross country Nino and Evie Manan Pom Pom. What a world chance! Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So Sven hangs up. I might babble on a little bit. I uh, we didn't mean to rush through anything, but uh, it's a fast paced sport. Sven's got to get on the road. Uh, we've mentioned most of the women that did well. Veronica. Also had a good, decent race. Probably wanted a little bit more in front of home home crowd. But, you know, that's that's racing at the end of the day. And, jeez, uh, like you say, there's so much cool stuff happening. Uh, yo, you said Evie in the cross country. What an awesome character for the sport. Nino, another World Champs win. I want to shout out. Nino Thomas. and Greg. What about Thomas Slavik? Thomas Slavik's buddy, 45, I think, as well, or some shit. So Nino Slavic's Greg, a Nino great Greg guy for the sport. Yeah, uh, he won uh, yeah. four cross at Valdezol. He's been trying to do that for quite a long time. Hey, this is your opportunity to text me, you can direct message me or whatever. Tell me what we forgot or what you're pissed off about or what you thought about the race. So thanks, guys. Oh, shit. One more thing. No, you got to go. Oh, okay. 
I'll tell no, you some other time. No, tell During me now, Pom- man. I got nowhere to go. <laughs> During Pom Pom's race run, she was three quarters of the way down, and I got ejected from the spot I was shooting, and the dude was jumping in front of my camera. He wouldn't let me take a picture. So for Pom Pom's winning race run, I was walking backwards through a crowd of like a couple thousand um, and had to find a shot within five seconds. Um, yeah, so sweet. Thanks for that. So speaking security. of world champs pressure, so if there's a good shot of Pom Pom, it's probably from Boris or what? No, I still got a shot. Don't worry. I can get a shot under pressure. It just wasn't where I wanted to take the shot. <laughs> awesome, Sven. You enjoy. We'll take this offline. Uh, for everyone that follows Moving the Needle podcast, this has been your Crank Brothers race review. Thanks to them. They got the 11th World Championship title in a row. So <coughs> no, no, there's not there's much more, more I need to more. say about there's, that. There's, there's more, Andrew. They started last year because it sounded good for 10, but they had more before that. Sam won. No, I know, but in a row, well. in a row. I'm just, we're going in a row consecutively. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they have more. They're wrong. Mm. I'm right. Watch. <laughs> well, I've been, like, I've never heard Sven tell me that before. All right. Well, he said 11th uh, last night when we were texting back yeah, and forth. Yeah, 11th, so 11th, 11th mallet. Sam won on the 50 50s couple. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah. There you go. And that's why I like having Sven. He's busy floundering around in his room trying to take off. So I'll let you guys. Uh... I'm gonna hang up. I'm gonna hang up. Okay, but you know. Browser. Yeah, exactly. Don't ruin my <laughs> podcast. Cheers, folks. This has been pretty fun live one for you guys. And that was your Crank Brothers race review. Thanks so much to Sven for making the time. As you can see, he's always on the go. One of the hardest working guys out on the circuit. We didn't mean to rush through anything, so if you feel we left something out, like I said, send me a message. Thanks so much for downloading this episode. Make sure you leave a review, subscribe, share it with a friend if you think you got some value out of it. And I also want to hear from you guys. I want to know what sort of topics you want me to cover. I want to know if you'd like me to answer some questions. I'm thinking of launching a series where you can say send in some questions. Me and a co-host will try help you with those. So yes, this was the Crank Brothers Race Review. They are synonymous with the DH Racing Circuit. This year, they've just celebrated 11 years in a row of elite world champ wins with a Mallet DH pedal. Hey, they didn't want to stop there. They were determined to improve the shoe and pedal interface for riders. Well, they spent the last two years developing their own range of shoes, launching late last year. I'm in those shoes. They're amazing. Other riders like Lucas Schur, Bernard Kerr, Angle Suarez, former world champ Camille Blanchet, There are many others. So guys, till the next episode, why don't you guys stay well? This was Moving the Needle podcast. Have a good one.